Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Have you wondered why compassion is such a rare commodity in our culture and growing rarer and rarer all the time? Uh, I would submit to you that in part, it's in our laps as the body of Christ because in part, we are too self-centered. We are the selfie generation and have become consumed with ourselves and what meets our needs and what what, what feeds us and makes us comfortable. But I would also submit a huge part of that is that we've forgotten the compassions God has shown to us. We've forgotten how compassionate he is to us day after day and all throughout our life. I want to be reminded of that today from Psalm 103. So if you'll turn there, we'll look at this text together in verses 13 to 18 and see what this teaching says about the Lord's compassion. Psalm 103, 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. First thing I want us to see today from this text about the Lord's compassion is that his compassion is on those who are his. It's on those who are his. Verse 13 says, as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Your ability to grasp and appreciate the Lord's compassion depends on, I think, in large part, your own earthly father and how compassion was shown to you through him. Uh, I shared with you a story in this week's news about my dad who on the surface didn't seem too compassionate but yet was extremely compassionate to others and I saw markers of those throughout his life but it was in large part because he was shown compassion and needed it at a, at a very early age to survive and to make it and so he was in, in the lesson in, in the life lesson of that was easy to show compassion to others if your father was a taskmaster and a and kind of a tough guy with little margin for error, then the Lord's compassion for you is probably going to be more conceptual than it is real. It's probably going to be more, more, more virtual, more theoretical than it is practical. Uh, your experience with your own father, though, should have zero bearing on your understanding of God's compassion for you. Don't look at that reflection and marry those two experiences together. So it can, uh, it can make it easier or harder to feel his compassion, But it is real whether we feel it or not. He is compassionate towards us. Uh, Notice here that also he says that experiencing his compassion is contingent upon and hinges on those who fear him. And we looked at last week about fear being more about reverence and awe as opposed to punishment. But if that's true, then we, we need to be more reverent of him and revere him and be more in awe of him than we are. And that speaks to oftentimes to how we worship, 
how, how, whether that is in, in total transparency, whether that's in, in total reserve, or whether that's somewhere in between those two places. Whether that is quantitatively speaking, you know, this is the only experience we get in worship on Sundays, or whether we worship him as a lifestyle throughout the week, whether our drive to work is a, is a worship experience, or our drive home, or, or someplace else, whether worship, as I said, is a lifestyle, or whether it's just snippets of time. The more effective and the more transparent and the more, and the more quantitatively we worship him, the easier it is to see and experience and know his compassion to be real. So what does this compassion look like? Well, back up to verses 8 and 9. We looked at this last week. Uh, 103, 8 and 9 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Watch this. Slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. That is a picture of what his compassion looks like. Because it is on those who are his. Secondly, the Lord's compassion is tied to how deeply we are known by him. It's tied to how deeply we are known by him. Look at verse 14 together. He says, for he knows how you were formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows how you were formed. Uh, turn, if you will, real quickly over a few pages to Psalm 139. I want you to see in Psalm 139, this won't be on the screen, but I want you to see there verses 13 and 14. It speaks to this idea of our being known and uh, of our being known by him before we were ever born. 139, 13, and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Speaks to this fact, the fact that he knew, knew us and knows us before even we were born. Knew us together, knitted us together in our mother's womb. Uh, who better then to know when and where we need compassion than the one who knows us, knows our weaknesses, knows our strengths, knows everything about us because he made us, knitted us together, knows our strengths and weaknesses. I was mowing the other day at my house down next to the river. And as I do that, sometimes the, the river's up high enough to make the bank more loose in places than others. And I have to be careful. I know the spots where, where if I get too close to the edge, my mower's going to end up in the river. So I know those spots. I know the weak places and the strong places where it'll carry the weight of the mower and where it won't. It's exactly what he's talking about here to say, I know your weaknesses. I made you, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know you better than anybody knows you. And as such, can show compassion when it's most needed, when it is most desired in your life. So he, he as in knowing us that well, helps us navigate or in effect navigates for us uh, those situations when we are most vulnerable, when we, when we are at our weakest, for sure. Some would associate the Lord's compassion in response to our sin, but this passage here connects his compassion to our, to our sense of vulnerability, our sense of, of humanity, even our sense of mortality. He, he refers to us as dust here in, in, in this verse. He remembers that we are dust. We do well to remember those things and keep that in perspective, it forces, would force us to reprioritize what's important and what, what's not, what deserves our time, our talent, and our treasure, and what doesn't. Uh, many of us are spinning our wheels on things that, in the end, are going to burn up, and we'll wonder where our time was spent, what our efforts were, were going after. His compassion is tied to how deeply we are known by him. Thirdly, not only is it, is it by those who are known by him and who are his, thirdly, his compassion is tied to how brief, we, how briefly we are here. 
Look at verses 15 and 16. How briefly we are here. As for man, verse 15, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. His days are like grass. The wind blows over it, and it's gone, it says here. None of us are going to stand before the Lord one of these days and probably say, I wish I'd worked harder. I wish I had a bigger house. I wish I'd had a nicer car. I wish my life would have, I wish I'd have spent more time frittering away, away and doing, doing foolish things. None of us are going to stand before the Lord one day and, and have that perspective because <clears throat> as we see him face to face, we're going to be connected to eternity. And this life, uh, this life will have, will lose all of its perspective. Uh, it's, it's, uh, that, that moment will be, will be a pivotal moment in all of eternity. And I think we'll see the things that were important and weren't. And will many of us probably, if you're like me, have regrets on why did I waste my time on that? Why did I, why did I waste my energies on that? Uh, and that's true because that day we'll have the ultimate perspective on these days. We'll know then that these days, these little days, were ultimately about those days, those eternal days. That the 80 plus years or so we may live here compared to the 80 million plus of eternity. That, that, that sense of perspective, I think, is a powerful thing to give us an idea of how briefly we are here and consequently what our life here should be counting for there. Uh, most of us don't see that, though. We're, we're too consumed with here. Uh, we still believe it's all about here, and that's where our energies and our efforts are, are, are spent. When our perspective changes, though, our story changes. It changes to more of the things that matter and less of what doesn't. It, it changes to more him and less me, more them and less me, uh, more simplicity, less stuff, more of things that matters and less of the things that don't. Uh, once those days are gone, those experiences are gone, they're gone. My grandson Henry and I, uh, several months ago, were walking to the mailbox at our house and back, and it was dandelion season, and dandelions all over my yard. He goes over to pick one, and I, I try to get him to blow it, to blow the little needles off of it. He gets one or two off, and I pick one up and blow the dandelion, and it just empties the, the stalk. And he's, now he's set his down, and he's chasing all these little feathers to try and, try and get them back and put them back on the dandelion. I said, dude, they're gone. Once they're gone, they're gone. I said, well, you, can, you can pick up another and blow another, but those aren't coming back to this one. He kind of looked at me real funny, like, real somber, like, that's really sad, Pop. And, and that kind of perspective is what he's talking about here, that once these days are gone... Our ability to see the minutiae of them in comparison with eternity is gone. So what's the lesson? The lesson is invest more here into there and less into here, uh, less into the things that matter here. Because once, once these days are gone, they're gone. James 14, verses 13 and 14 gives some perspective on this. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. While you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He's talking about there how, how, how bereaved our time is here, how brief it is, and it, his compassion is tied to how briefly we are here. 
Finally and fourthly, the Lord's compassion is intended to be a legacy. It's intended to be a legacy. Look at verses 17 and 18 together with me. He says there, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, his righteousness with their children's children, from everlasting to everlasting, meaning that his love is immeasurable and it is inexhaustible. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago how deeply and how completely we are loved by him. We saw last week how his righteousness is always right for us, how it's the right way, keeps us on the right path, doing the right things for the right motives and for the right reason, uh, puts us in the right and on the right side, which is his side, not on the left side or right side. As Tony Evans says, when the Lord comes back, he's not going to be riding the backs of elephants or donkeys because he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. And we need to be on his side when he does. That's, that's what he's talking about here, conceptually speaking. He continues here by issuing this same promise to your children and your grandchildren. This is an incredible promise, especially that the Lord's return should not be, if his return is not as soon as, as, as we had hoped, they're going to experience that promise, and they're going to need it. I'm going to tell you they are. Notice also that he, he says here in verse 18 that this promise is tied to our obedience to obeying his precepts, he says here in verse 18. So if I want to live out and hand down this kind of legacy of these promises, I'm going to have to be obedient to the precepts, not just believe them, but walk them out, not just for them to be conceptual, but for them to be practical and a, and a part of my life. If I want to live out and hand down the legacy of these promises of love, of righteousness, of compassion, they're tied to the precepts. I've got to walk out the precepts and be obedient to the precepts. To precepts meaning his ways, his, his purposes, his principles, the things we find in this book to be true. If we walk out the precepts, we experience his promises. And so do those coming behind us. So if you want your, your children and grandchildren and their children to be blessed with these promises of love, of righteousness, of God's forgiveness, we've got to walk out the precepts and talk out the precepts and live out the precepts. Not just believe them to be true on Sunday. Not just sit around the Thanksgiving table and say, eating God good, but live out his goodness, live out his gratitude, as Doc prayed earlier, day after day after day. That, that is a precept of our life. That, that's a marker of who we are. Uh, this, is, this is Thanksgiving week, and if, if anyone ought to be grateful for these things, it ought to be you and I who call, call ourselves believers. It ought to be those who follow after Jesus Christ, because we know how wretched we were. We know what a compassionate God we have to die on the cross for our sins. So a question as we wrap up today, and that's this. Is your life a picture of gratitude for the Lord's compassion? Is your life a picture of gratitude for the Lord's compassion? He has substituted what each of us deserve with his compassion. He says in verse 10 of the same chapter, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Man, I'm glad that's true. I'm glad I get, don't get what I deserve. He has substituted what each of us deserve with his compassion such that when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin or our guilt, but sees the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. That's what compassion looks like. That's why we should be grateful for it. That's why we should hand down this legacy of compassion from us, through us, to our children and their children and their children. Why? Because they're going to need it. We need it today. We're, we're experiencing it an anemic uh, level of compassion in our culture. We need to walk that out and live that out in front of them such that they catch it 
It is both caught and taught. Let's pray. Father, today would, would these things that you've stirred in us, the reality of the fact that compassion is a promise, it's a promise that's tied to our walking out in obedience to your precepts. Would you teach us today the importance of living out those precepts such that we can experience the promise and, and hand that down to the generations behind us to create a legacy of love, a legacy of righteousness, a legacy of compassion. Why? Because this world needs to see your love. They need, they need to experience your righteousness and needs to know of your compassion. We have those around us, each of us do in our lives, that are lost and bound for a real place called hell. Would you teach us to have compassion for their souls and reach out to them? As we're approaching these hol this holiday season, more folks are receptive and open to the gospel and receptive and open to the fact that they realize they're, they're, that life has an end and they're wondering what's next after that. Cause us to step into those conversations, to, to step into those open doors with folks at work, with our family and friends, and be sensitive to your leadership, be sensitive to how the Spirit prepares the heart for those who are ready to receive you. And help us tell the story. Tell the story of your love. Tell the story of your righteousness. Tell the story of your compassion. Tell the story of what the Lord is, and he is good. We thank you for these truths and these reminders today. Now help us to walk him out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.